This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. I want you to sing it this time with feeling. Jingle bells, key of F, starting on dashing through the snow. A one, a two, and if you don't do it right this time, there will be absolutely no Christmas. So I, I beseech you, sir, get this take right. One, a two, a one, two, three, four. Dashing, dashing through, through the, the snow, snow with a one horse open say. Over the hills we go, roll, laughing all the way. Ha, 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 ha. Bells of bobtails ring, making spirits bright. Something, something, riding sleigh, sleigh song tonight. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey. 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 Man, I can't get... (laughs) Yeah, I put a little rock on it, man. Here, you can do like... uh, I think I know Jingle Bell Rock. Uh, I I sort of know it. I know part of it. I just want you to intro the show. Oh, this is Shake Them Ropes. <laughs> Welcome to a, a festive end of year Shake Them Ropes. My name is Chris Novembrino. I'm joined, as always, by my broadcast partner. And, and, in a way, a present that I give myself every single week. Jeff Hawkins. Yeah, you got so into the bit that you decided to forget the show. I didn't get into the bit. I got into the spirit of the holidays. That's hard buddy. for me. It's L.A. It's still about 50 degrees here. Are, are you a Christmas movie guy? Like, do you sit down and just watch Christmas movies to help you get in the spirit? Because I remember having more time to do that when I was, like, younger, and now I don't have that time. And I've turned around, and it's like a week till, and it's like, man, I haven't watched you know, Christmas Vacation or Scrooged or A Muppet Christmas Carol, which is the best Christmas Carol out there. I, I'll tell you, man, I'm actually like not a big holidays guy. I don't I don't get up for any of the holidays. It's not like I won't go to your Fourth of July barbecue or anything like that. But like I, I just these these things don't. Is it because you hate children? I hate fun. It's bigger than children. Hold on, wait, wait. You're taking my bit now. What are you? Yeah, I, well, it, I mean, I just when you say it's about just hatred of children, I think you're reducing down my position um, and simplifying in a way that that's uncharitable to me. I'm I'm against broader joy, mirth. Um, you know, the Grinch, obviously a childhood hero of mine. I was just boiling it down to be like a. Ajou of hate or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are the sorts of things that get me through this time of year. All right, um, up top, 
some house cleaning, whatnot. Next week, actually, our year end uh, show. We're gonna we're gonna have categories. You know, your best wrestler, favorite match, favorite this or whatever. But I want to crowdsource some of you to give us some off the grid type categories as they relate to wrestling, please. Not necessarily anything else. But if you wanted to throw something in there, that's cool too. Just uh, my DMs are open at Crap Game Thirteen on the old Twitterverse. Also, uh, Sunday night after TLC, your boy Jeff will be over at Fightful with Sean Ross Sapp doing the post game. Probably doing a lot of uh, <laughs> grinching over there. Uh, just just to make Chris proud. I will not like anything on TLC. No, I'll do my best. But yeah, I'll be in the old neighborhood on Sunday night uh, over at Fightful. Well, there you go. Uh, so we got some news here this week, Jeff. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> in the news section. In the news section. Yeah, I, I can uh, do like a little... Raw 1.52 million. A low. Alex McCarthy of TalkSport is reporting, quote, USA Network are furious. They want more adult content, not sexy adult, but dark and violent adult. It's also being said that WWE officials are hoping that the upcoming Royal Rumble pay-per-view in January can be a big reset for the company. I'll I believe that they have a reset in them when I see it. I, I, as to the rest of the reporting there, I would want to see a little bit more sourcing before I necessarily take the USA reporting at face value. Not that the logic of USA wanting to have a product that is more reflective of modern times doesn't make some sense. I just think perhaps maybe there's some wish casting there. I do too. Uh, but I, and I did up until the point that I remembered that there's a new regime in at USA and they, and this was the guy who's running USA right now is the guy who I believe brought AEW to TNT. So keeping that in mind, I just, I just don't think Vince has it in him to do a gritty style of wrestling. That's never been his thing. When, when I was a kid in the eighties, you know, he ran out the gritty wrestling with his over the top, you know, kind of circus act where, you know, you could see the giants and the strong men and the larger than life guys. And it was all, bright colors and brightly lit arenas. He doesn't know how to do Lucha Underground. Like, like to that article of, you know, to, to the setup of this whole segment's point, um, I think that a show like Lucha Underground and that format, that style of gritty, probably can and would do better numbers. I, I've always been intrigued by, like, what would have happened if Lucha Underground had been you know, on, on like a bigger network, um, getting like real airtime, um, and real exposure. I, but I get that logic. Vince doesn't have that in him. So he's I, never I don't liked know that stuff. He always called it no. wrestling. No, and... he doesn't. He, his whole thing, his whole product is built around it. This is just a weird, I guess it's a weird association, but let me see if this sticks with you. I think about McMahon's product as being very brightly lit. Yes. Like that 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 is a very essential component to Vince McMahon's style of wrestling. That's why I said it was brightly lit. 
<laughs> you know, but but to, to the to the other point, but then I said it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, if you think about it like that, you could see why I needed yes. to get it in. Yeah, I could. I, yeah, I'll let you get it in. Um, yeah, but he also didn't take the lessons from the Attitude Era that you'd think he might, because yes, it was hyper violent, and you know, he didn't even t- when he took things from the ext- from ECW, it wasn't necessarily the right things that ECW was doing well at the time. And they're in their own history, in their own canon. They, they, they say that the main thing about the Attitude Era, what made it so great was not just that Stone Cold Steve Austin was a great character. It was Sable. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, the, the Mr. McMahon character and who doesn't want to fight against their boss and all. No, it was just. Look, you had goofy I'm stuff. I'm only half joking about the Sable thing. I know. In the sense that F- Vince was trying very hard to make Sable work for a very long time. Playing up the sex. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, you know, it, was, it wasn't necessarily great, you know, great presentation of quote-unquote wrestling per se. Well, you know, you had the car crash era, as people like to say with, with Russo. I, but here's where I'm going to temper my criticism of WWE in that respect is that there's a happy medium between that and what got JR in trouble this week on, uh, grilling JR, the, uh, the podcast he does with, uh, Conrad Thompson. He's talking about Armageddon 2000. He makes this quote about, you know, the DDT is no longer a finisher. You know, people were saying that wrestling has, has evolved are full of it. And, you know, and there's just too many dives and too many flips and they don't mean anything, especially if everybody's doing them in every match and you just have a bunch of guys standing there waiting to catch their friend and it doesn't do damage or finish anything. I think there's a happy medium in there and I don't think anybody's really found it just yet. Yeah. And And, and promos It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that JR put this thought out there in this way and that it's coming from him because I do think that there is a valid critique in specific of the pot of people spot uh, not being very effective or even very meaningful. And, and it's not specific to any one company. Uh, WWE does it. You see it in AEW. Um, it's really becoming a hallmark of the indies. Uh, it's just very common. A, a big pile of baby faces and heels gather on the outside so that a couple of people on the inside of the ring, usually baby faces, can do a big death-defying leap to the outside. But that doesn't... I, I think JR is right in this sense. Um, the problem I have with that spot is it is now being sandwiched in the middle of a match and to the point where you can forget all about it. And there should be one of those a show, maybe, and it should always be consequential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there was another narrative going on early this week, and it's not one I particularly enjoy, but I'll go into it. AEW last week beat Raw in the demos this week. But on Wednesday, AEW, 806,000, with a point three two, they were third place for the night. NXT seven hundred sixty six thousand point one nine. So there, so it was a bump, and then kind of back to the mean. And there's about right now the top rated wrestling show on primetime is 
well, I mean, not in the demo, but overall is SmackDown, which consequently is probably WWE's best show right now and has the most interesting people. Now, they're doing a lot of things that are a little sketchy on that, too, now, but... I don't appreciate you docking my NXT UK, which is a <laughs> sneaky good one hour of television. Yeah, th- I mean, th- there's plenty you can do. I, you don't <laughs> Inconsequential need the, television. You, well, you don't need the three hours. You, I mean, you can do s- good storytelling and promos in one hour or two if you wanted to. It's, it's just, you know, it's just how you do it. I just, I see Vince taking that kind of criticism, if, if this is real. I also have my doubts about, not about Alex McCarthy, but I have my doubts about it not being wish casting and doing the same thing that everybody said they did with Fox, where it's like, we can tailor this product to whatever you like. Yes, this is a more sports related product. It, it, and look, the guys at the voices flagship are like, you really want to improve this product, get rid of characters like the feed and stuff like that. And it's not necessarily the character per se. It's, it's the, the present- booking patterns, man. It's, it's not, a- it, it's, you could have any character, but if you don't have the right booking patterns, it doesn't matter. Wrestling from its very beginning has had crappy characters in some way or another. Be it Nazi sympathizers. Assassin one. Assassin one. Assassin one. Professional wrestlers. No no name guys. Professional wrestlers who put on masks because if they took off their masks, bookers would never book them. Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. I know I'm going to take heat from this from you, BOC, but I'm going to do it anyways. A horrible character, just a madman. But the thing that made them work in these environments was that they were taken seriously. Like, look, Boogie Woogie Man is a nut job. And all he does is he goes there and he rakes people's eyes, scratches people's back, drops an elbow, gets a three count. But in his feuds with Paul Jones's army, you took it seriously because the war, the war against Valiant was serious. They put bounties on his head. There were things like that. Like, there were questions being asked on this television show. Like, what if a Russian gets the world title? Will he take it back to Moscow? It was treated as somewhat serious. And yes, it's absolutely ridiculous to do that. Trust me, I get that. But every television show you watch that takes place in a fictional world treats it as real. And I think what's come up with the WWE is they've developed over a long, long time. The attitude was who cares? It's just wrestling. And they've really kind of gotten away from building blocks that Pat Patterson, may he rest in peace, really was the details guy for. And I'm not going to blame the writers because I know writers on those staffs and they love wrestling and they would love to try out of the box stuff to see if it worked. They'd love to let guys just go on their own and do their own promos. I they, think they want to make a more immersive experience. And I, yes. it, the, the word that comes to mind is immersive. Um, the problem with all of the WWE product, there's so much of it, but more importantly than there's just so much of it is that it's shallow. There's no depth to it. So like the main roster stuff is shallow. Like the, 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 the extra stuff like talking smack and raw talk has some depth to it occasionally, but, but you can't kind of get lost in the Federation and like uh, imagining about the Federation and stuff with the way that NWA and AWA. And I mean, even 
the hotline era of WCW and WWF allowed you to do. Um, I it's it's weird because you you would think that having these additional platforms would allow for that, but the way they're doing the storytelling continues to be shallow. And to your point about the other shows, the problem is now those shows are basically not allowed to really count in canon. So they're fun for, you know, someone like you, who's like kind of an insider to go and watch. Um, But I don't know how fun it is for like the 13 year old wrestling fan. Yeah. No, and I agree. It's it's what's also helped skew the WWE fan base old, which is that's the other thing that's weird. We want a more adult product. Have you seen our demos? It's just nothing but people over the age of fifty. Watching. That's what I don't get. <laughs> yeah, like like especially it. The real issues here seems to be in part knowing your audience. Like if you are making a wrestling product that is skewing older, make a older a more adult product um i just don't think vince likes the idea that he's lost the kids uh i think he is very much the seymour skinner meme of no no it's the kids who are wrong over there watching their aew uh maybe you could get them back if you made a cool adult product um because sort of counterintuitive here but kids like to watch the adult thing they're not supposed to be watching yes yes we, we yeah, yeah so you you could sort of Yes, Orange Cassidy is cool to them right now, but you could make something adult that, like, would maybe make Orange Cassidy's character uncool to them at this, like, in in a couple of years. I don't um, need as they them. Age out of it. I don't need them blading on every show. I just need certain logical plot holes to be filled. Like, why doesn't Kevin Owens have anybody helping him in this two-on-one beatdown? Does he not have friends? Or are yeah, we like, just, where is Daniel Bryan? Yeah, you know, those those types of just little things. Because it, it goes on to what they think makes a star and how they plot things. And we have to be 50-50. And we'll, we'll get into that as we go in the main roster. I, I, finish the news first here. Uh, Brandy Rhodes and Cody Rhodes announcing that uh, they are with Child, which seems to be the en vogue thing in professional wrestling in 2020. Um, I, I think it's really rude of them to try to upstage <laughs> Dean Ambrose and Renee Paquette like this. And, that's going to um, be one good looking kid. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be one good looking kid. I hope the roses think about what they've done here. I, I, I made this joke on, on the Twitter. I, uh, I said, I want them to make a little temporary tattoo of Cody's t- neck tattoo and put it on the baby after it's born and then use that as the social media. <laughs> thing uh yeah i'm uh i'm also somewhat happy that we will not have to see jade cargo versus brandy Rhodes. i hate to say oh, that like yeah that. no i i i actually now that i'm thinking about this I, they might have spared us a lot of the brandy Rhodes part of that angle here which i think is probably a good thing ultimately we like think- brandy hold on we like brandy here we just want to say we're just being a little critical of her acting performance yeah, I mean, I just I didn't have warm and fuzzies after the Shaq and Brandy interaction. Right. I think it's probably an addition by subtraction thing. If the angle goes forward with Shaq managed by Jade Cargill versus Cody, I think the optics of that make Cody more of a natural underdog here. I kind of like that. Like, I, I think it makes Shaq and Cargill shine brighter and creates a more natural story or 
a simpler story than Jade Cargill and Shaq versus Cody and Brandy. Matt Riddle and the WWE are rumored to be working on a new three-year, $1.2 million deal. It's money, man. And he's at the age where he has a family. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, get all the money you can. I'm just, <laughs> you know, there's always that thing where, where as, as the artist, you want to go, man, you want them to be great and you want them to succeed. And then you go, yeah, but they're going to get their money. I guess, I guess they can go with the bad donut jokes and stuff for four more years or that or three years in this case. Yeah, and I think Matt Riddle has had a bumpy couple of years here, and WWE has been willing to play ball with him. So, Yeah, those of us who watched him on the indies wanted something else, and again, we, we told you about this. We The moment that he becomes funny, he's dead, and... Oh, once Vince launched into him as this stoner Spicoli. guy. Spicoli. We knew yeah. Spicoli. We knew it was coming. Oh, we yeah. We knew it was yeah. coming. And But, hey, you know what? And, if he's happy. The, and it started with the feet thing. Like, like th- there have been there have been weed jokes. But where it was really over for Riddle was when Vince found out the guy doesn't wear shoes going down in the ring because he thinks that's weird. And then he made Riddle do a couple of weeks promos. The first week was kind of interesting and inspirational. And then they were already making fun of his feet. Like they don't take this guy seriously. No. And I think that's all we want out of anything. And it'll be throughout our TLC preview as well. Just take I want to manage by rambling rabbit, but that's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a different. I, I think about this a little bit differently than you. Uh, Bill Pritchard of WrestleZone reports Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix signed new contracts with All Elite Wrestling earlier this year, keeping them in AEW until 2021. I think that's good for the tag team division there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Depending on you've got two guys you can make. Yeah, you've got two guys you can make as single stars. You you could do any number of simple stories with, with Penta and Ray. And yeah, I'm a fan. Cameron Grimes had undisclosed surgery. Uh, well, he had surgery on an undisclosed part of his body, Jeff. Get get your grammar straight. Uh, no word on when he'll be back, but it's been said he'll be back soon, sooner than later. Are we speculating on what the injury is here? Or? I am not. I'm just reporting that. It's, okay. We can move on. There's nothing there. Uh, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Rich Swan and the Motor City Machine Guns will... Get this right, Jeff. They will headline Impact's January pay-per-view. I keep calling them TNA. Uh, Impact was back down to 177,000 viewers. Uh, you know, I, I'm i not opposed to AEW people headlining in other companies and, and having that working relationship. I, I wonder a little bit, but uh, Rising t- Tide lifts all boats. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I I certainly think it's worth testing that theory out. Um, I guess my thought is how high is the tide going to rise? Okay, well that's the news. Let's uh let's get AEW out of the way. I thought this was a good show. Uh, overall, Don Callis continues to be spectacular with Kenny Omega. Um, you know I <laughs> Omega doing his own uh commentary which. 
Dave Meltzer reminds me is an old Don Morocco bit originally. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this duo more and more by the week, but I, I feel callous is still the energy for me in it right now. Yeah, callous is the engine that's making this thing go. I find Omega's current character to be too meta and too hammy for me to really enjoy. Like, I wish there was no irony in this. Right. Is the best way I can put this. No, that's a good way to put it, I think. Uh, I loved the match with Janela, though. Janela has these, like, twice a year, just absolute freak show, hardcore matches where he almost kills himself or who he's with. And, you know, I I, I don't think he's ever going to be above where he is right now. But yeah, it's nice. And- but it's nice to have that in the gun, so to speak. Where you pull this out every every six months or sh- or so, where he just has one of these matches where he just does something insane. No, he's fun to, as you say, bring him out for a singles match here and there. I uh, I think that he is slotted correctly on the roster, especially the way AEW has top tier t- title, and that's Omega right now. And then you've got your North American program, and like. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily see uh, Janelle, or I'm sorry, not the North American, uh, the TNT title program. Um, I don't see him there. I think he's he's a good fit in the tag division. Uh, and I keep doing the stuff with the sunny kiss and that's fine. Yeah. All the promos this week were good. The matches were good. I, the one thing I questioned, because I only have one note down here because I was enjoying the show too much. You're going to give a tag team a rapping gimmick. They can't be upstaged week one, right? I just no, found that weird. No, I, I know. And like, yeah, Kazarian's a musician, but he's out of genre here. He's like the heavy metal guy. He shouldn't be upstaging you at the rap game. Calling a men on a mission week one. I don't think I, that's a week three or four type thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you want to sure. get over the rapping first and then you want to bury them. <laughs> in storyline so to speak yeah i think that like this week the acclaimed should have come out and been like rapping on like a no-name team that they end up yes beating. Yeah. yeah and i think we should have gotten that sort of gimmick we should have gotten it over set up the interaction with uh scu uh, yeah i it wasn't i wasn't crazy about that uh i think scu's still fun um Miro, man, I <laughs> keep waiting for this thing to someday click for me. Um, what was but, that shirt? Dude, like, <laughs> he's a Christmas ornament. He's, he's the polka he dot man. I just, like, man, I was excited about him coming to AEW, and it has just been the strangest Be- presentation of this guy. It, it's such a 180 from what I thought. I thought they were going to bring him in as this killer. You know, almost like what they had Jeff Cobb do when he came in. But no, we're going to we're going to see the lighter side of Miro. All of a sudden, I'm just like, do I want to see the lighter side of Miro? You know, He's, I, yeah, oh. I, it's not that this guy's unfunny. It's just that like one. This is a weird thing for me to say, because I almost never say this for anything. I think AE or I think WWE did a better job with comedy with this guy than AEW has. Yes, because he played it straight. He wasn't playing it for laughs necessarily. He would he would say something, but he'd be so sincere about it it would be funny. Yeah, you know, like he was yeah, that intense. Even the Rusev Day stuff was 
like funnier on yeah. balance. Uh, yeah. you know, even when they start leaning into it. Um, no, I, I just it, this one is just not clicking. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, I like the varsity blondes a lot as we've already talked about them last week. I I'm waiting for them to turn heel eventually. Uh, and, uh, big swole and Serena Deeb, uh, big swole. She's what, there. I like Serena Deeb a lot in this match. I like Serena Deeb a lot. I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't, don't have a lot to offer on swole. She's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't either. I, I liked, I liked the Thunder Rosa promo and beatdown. I, I thought that was good for the, for their women's division. I think Thunder Rosa is just a positive yeah. all the way around. Oh, um, she's a star. I, I have been saying that a long time. I she just she has a star look. She she's got a star gimmick. Um, yeah, no. Oh, she, I know what we got. We gotta talk about It's Hangman and the Beaver Boys, uh, <laughs> Silver and Reynolds thing. I I want. I now want. Hangman to lead this dark order because it just feels like they're on vacation right now and they're loving every minute of just being goofy and stupid. But that's what this cult has become is a goofy, stupid, fun cult. And maybe even Cole Cabana's like, look, I liked comedy before, but I came here to win, guys. Kind of have that be the offset type thing because I love unrepentant stupidity, and John Silver is unrepentantly stupid. <laughs> it would actually be very funny if Colt Cabana decided that Dark Order was getting too unserious, and the reason he joined Dark Order was to yes. be in a serious cult. Yeah, not not. He was, no, I guys, you don't get it. I decided funny wasn't money. Colt I Cabana want to becomes be Lance Storm. <laughs> yeah, I want to be evil. I don't want to like you don't get it. I you know what? I've been a comedy wrestler. I came here to win matches and win titles and be I serious for cheat. once. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to, to be cheat. cruel. <laughs> Thought you guys were gonna teach me how to win through shortcuts and stuff like everybody else did on me, but now you're just putting on cowboy hats and shooting at each other. What the hell's up with Evil yes. Uno? The e- listen to your name. Evil. Evil. What is happening here, guys? <laughs> And now I don't want anything else. That's the sad part. Uh, yeah, but uh, again, another solid show from AEW. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, looking forward to this January slate. I'll be very interested to see how they do with the NBA next week. Probably preempting their start. That's going to be very interesting for the ratings to see who sticks on, who doesn't, how that's all calculated because. Look, NXT I'm more interested to see like their interplay long term with the NBA and if the NBA lead in helps AEW get fresh and new eyeballs onto their product. It might. It very well might. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to believe that that was what was helping them last year. Uh, so. And NXT kind of cheated this week with the uh, was it eight minute overrun that they had uh, 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 for their ratings. So. Yeah, where, where do we want to go? Do we want to get NXT out of the way and just do? Yeah, let's, get, at let's once? talk about. We, let's do the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, <laughs> as as previously uh, as previously stated last week, and we didn't get to it. The whole Leon Ruff North American title run, who was a joke. Leon Ruff, who? Uh, Leon Ruff. Uh, no. Doesn't ring a bell. What does he look like? Don't do this to me. All right, fine. 
but yeah, no, Leon Ruff, uh, he, he was a guy who held the North American title um, in a brand that used to be about kind of time building equity in belts. And uh, instead, they did the whole Leon Ruff thing as a punchline. It, yeah, it was reported in the Wrestling Observer that somebody found it funny that he'd be made champion. And then they just kind of course corrected. Yeah, so your emotional investment in the Leon Ruff story. Oh, we're going to get him treated like a champ and not like a joke. No, treat him like a joke. And now he's going to get killed every week, which is, you know, I guess it's fun. I, I don't know. He's going to be he's going to be that level. Uh, don't know what Kushida teaming with him does for Kushida necessarily, but I enjoyed that tag match for what it was. Yeah, I, it's not that the wrestling is bad. It's just the character building is a mess. Uh, other things I really liked. I liked Swerve Scott's promo quite a bit. Uh, I liked that as a reset and as a setup for his heel turn. And then Ever-Rise coming in and getting mic time. <laughs> oh, they got a big win tonight on 205 Live. I don't know if you saw that, but they uh, they beat the Bollywood boys. Oh, and they dedicated it to uh, Kevin Owens, I saw too. Oh, did on, they? On online, yeah, they did. To the, uh, you know, the French Quebecers, man, all stick together. I I would love for Kevin Owens to like come down and manage them or something, have some sort of interaction with them. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, what else? Tyler uh, Rust. I kind of like the Tyler Rust match. Oh, he's great. He's yeah. he's really good, and I'm looking forward to uh, Malcolm Bivens managing, finally getting some screen time, deservedly so. I mean, he was great. I remember in PWG, he was teaming with uh. He was still Russ Taylor, and he teamed with Chuck Taylor and Brian Cage Dash Taylor as the Fighting Taylor Brothers, and that was a that was a. I mean, he's 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 great. I oh, good things from him. I loved in the Everise promo, just the mirroring to the point of absurdity to where is it Martell? That which one's the bigger one of the two? I think that's Martell. Okay. When he just you you want to hit me, Mackenzie? You want to fight me? <laughs> they're just so unrepentantly stupid, and I love them to death. They're they're great. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and and Pete Dunn. What can you say? That was just that was the match of the week. I thought I have not gotten tired of this pairing yet, and I and I completely concede that AEW Dynamite is the better show, but I'll be darned if there is a pairing right now that is regularly being featured on any of these shows that I enjoy more than Pete Dunne and Kyle O'Reilly. Like, these guys just don't have a bad match. They had a great match. They explained why none of their friends were interfering. They got rid of that from the get-go. It was hard-hitting. It was, you know... It's just what I want in wrestling, quite frankly. Yeah. And, and there was a winner, and I'll take that. You know, <laughs> as opposed to, look, I liked Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley as a match, but this is the dumbass 50 50. Oh, well, Reyna Gonzalez interfered, and Rhea Ripley took the loss, and therefore it's a protected loss. The problem is. <sighs> The problem with this is they do because they come right back with the same matches the next week that 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 doesn't mean anything. And so it's just a loss from that perspective. It's a I was surprised. I viewed I didn't even know about the shoulder thing at first. I just saw the end 
at first. So I thought, oh, a clean loss. That's interesting. They're going to build up Tony to fight EO and then come back and rerun Rhea. But no, we got Raquel involved. So we're going to run Raquel. You know, they just, instead of, they make it more difficult for themselves by adding more ingredients every time. And they do. And they're the- predictable additions, too. Like you could see the Raquel interceding a mile away because that's the most WWE predictable booking pattern. Whereas this either needed Tony storm leaning more into her heel style and cheating to beat Rio Ripley or Rio Ripley narrowly defeating Tony storm. Um, maybe Tony attacking her after the match or something like that. Like, like it didn't, this needed to be focused on Tony storm though, because she, as a heel, is still kind of a new entity. But NXT is so hell-bent on getting to the Raquel Gonzalez part of this that it predictably goes to that point. Yeah, it's like, uh, and I'll get rid of it now, the Bailey-Bianca Belair match tonight, which I thought was really... It, it had its clunky spots, but I enjoyed it. because I enjoyed Yeah, I in general performers. enjoyed... Yeah, I, I like... Little too much cartwheely stuff mm-hmm. from Bianca for me. Not that she was doing a bad job with it. I just thought it was like there was one too many like handstands in my opinion. Yeah, it, it was too much choreography instead of she can be an ass kicker type of thing. But yeah, of course, <laughs> Bailey doing the uh, <laughs> doing the uh, the uh, the squats with her on the on the turnbuckle killed me. But let, let me get to the point. The rake of the eyes finish. To then to then lead to the pin. It's fine if it mattered if Bianca Belair had to then rework her way back up to Bailey. And you were telling that story. But what they're just gonna do is they're just gonna run Bailey and Bianca back next week, and Bianca's probably gonna get a fluke pin of some sort. And so these these wins and losses don't I I, I don't want to say they don't matter, but it's like they're not telling a story here. They're just having them do matches back and forth until they add a stipulation on the one. Yeah, the week-to-week match booking pattern does not matter, and I'll, I'll put it this way. It matters in the sense that obviously it sets up who's like who's wrestling who, but it doesn't matter because they almost always mathematically sum out to be 50-50, and even if they don't sum out to be 50-50, experientially as in like your takeaway from the week to week booking patterns is almost always just, well, they were both neck and neck and then they had the match at the pay-per-view and one person went over and, or the feud continues and we go on to the next pay-per-view, but the week to week booking patterns don't have any consequence. And in that sense, the wins and losses don't matter. Karrion cross and his main roster entrance are back. I thought it was a fine reintroduction. Liked it. I enjoyed the Karrion Cross squash match. Oh, you know, there was another And the promo afterwards. The promo afterwards yeah. was intense and short and to the point, and I'm here for that. There's another quote that I saw this week, though. Uh, I think you linked it to me about uh, Karrion Cross and Adam Cole. Right? Oh, yeah. It was uh, Road Dog Brian James says it's a shame that Adam Cole is not the si- isn't isn't the same size as Karrion Cross. Otherwise, he'd be a star. And I think that also goes into the uh, just to double back on the whole ratings thing. Vince wants what he wants out of wrestling. And it's not about building up people who are popular or good wrestlers. Like, I think I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn 
should be household names by now, and they should have been bigger, much bigger stars than they ever were, but you get slotted, and then you can never get out of the slot. Like, I, I love Kevin Owens, but if you had just given him more of a world title run and let him cut promos and give him serious things as opposed to going, well, he's a little chubby, so I don't necessarily want him on top of my company. Yeah, no, Vince would rather lose with his guys than win with someone else's. Mm-hmm. I, I, that is really the best way. And to by understand. his guys, we mean six foot three, six foot four, six no, foot five. No, we mean baby and... face Roman Reigns. He will keep <laughs> trying that baby face Roman Reigns experiment through the last decade. And I mean, I, if anything, what we're seeing now with this heel program, it's not even like it's not an ace level heel program either. But like, it is such a natural slotting for Roman Reigns. It's so much more natural than what they were trying to do post-Shield with Roman Reigns. Um, yeah, it's a little bit like what they did with Drew. With the uh, At first, he was the smart-alky, wise-cracking Han Solo type. And now he's a little more serious with the sword and stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they kind of slowly refined into that. I think Drew started to get a little bit of a vision of what he wanted to do. But yeah, no, I, I think... That's good. What else do we need to talk about here? Um, uh, on NXT, the the straight show. I mean, look. No, I, the we, NXT. We, I think we're. I think we're done with the NXT. NXT side. UK. We can do a little NXT UK. Love the Ben Carter promo video, with the exception yeah. that it's like, yeah, I've seen him places. Can't wait to see what he does here in NXT UK. <laughs> that was just a crutch of that entire video. I'm just like, dude, all you gotta do is put the guy over. And I thought the best part of it was Seth Rollins, where he originally went to train. It's very. Very reminiscent of Nigel McGuinness and uh, Les Thatcher. That story where Nigel came to go to, I believe, Ball State to wrestle and then sought out sought out just Les Thatcher in Cincinnati and, and started training with him. And, and you know, Ben, ben Carter, who did a very, I think he did one match in PWG and he did a match, he did a match on AEW Dark which was highly regarded. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Uh, I want to say he did a ROH match, but don't quote me on that. But uh, no, he went out to Iowa to train at Seth Rollins School. I, I think that's awesome. I, I think, you know, that those types of stories are great to then fold in because now there's a backstory if he ever makes to the main roster and feuding with Seth Rollins and stuff like that. I, I just, it was just weird. Like the first three people they were talking to were on the NXT roster. And it was a, uh, Oh, uh, Tyson, um, whoop guy, as I call him. Uh, oh, uh, that's Ashton, Ashton, Ashton Smith. Ashton Smith. I'm going to call him Tyson Smith for some reason. But yeah, Ashton Smith. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about him. Let's see what he can do in NXT UK. It's like, yeah, you were nothing before you got here. Now you got to prove yourself. I, I'm just, that. that's WWE mentality all the way around. It's just, it's dumb. And the other thing, I, I love the Ilya, uh, the Ilya video. Where, Dude, where it's I just... thought Walter's promo oh, that was too, yeah. really good. I, and we've normally been like, don't talk more, Walter. But, like, this promo was awesome. And, like, it, he was able to get a lot of, like, content out. And the 
cadence was the rhythm uh, that I expect out of a champion. I love his tone. I, I loved him, yeah, dressing down a kid about the Heritage Cup. He and, speaks to him with his back to him. That that's yeah. just such a that's such a dick champion move, and I loved it. it. It was that and the you you wipe your feet before you get into my ring type of thing. Just all the little dressing down things, and it's gonna be no, you know you you say you like Heritage, but you're not me. I like yeah. that. That line actually popped me. Um, no, I, I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, you know what else I enjoyed for what it was, was the squash match that they did for Rampage Brown against Josh Morrell and how they've done a nice job doing a thing that you and I have talked about that's sometimes a little tricky in the execution, which is you introduce Rampage Brown the first week against, I believe, Jack Stars, who dies for our sins and all these sorts of He won this week! Yeah, well, yeah, he did. We'll, we'll circle back to that. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So that first week, though, like, Stars gets no offense. He gets Brown. We just get Brown over. Morrell, I thought, did a perfect job slotted in the role of guy who gets a fair amount of offense just enough to piss off Rampage Brown. Yeah. And, like, get under his skin so he gets that extra power bomb there. No, I, I really liked this squash match for Rampage Brown and Josh Morrell. I, it's I, it's I, sort I of what they were doing with... Uh... Who's the guy that just fell off the face of the earth after two weeks? The freaking freak who freaks a lot. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, they call me a freak and everyone makes fun of me. Yeah. Uh, him. That's, that's kind of the build they were doing with him at first. But uh, let, let me circle back, finish my Ilya points. I just love the sadness and the depression. The pathos combined with the steeled reserve and being a little bit angry underneath the tears. I thought Ilya was great in that promo, man. That's yeah. the best he's been to me in terms of me taking him seriously. Like when he was doing the giant killer stuff, I, I didn't, you know, I thought, okay, he's doing these history. Now, now I watch him and go, okay, Ilya's going to kill some fool. And I'm here for it. I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. The guy wants to be champion. Like now he had a taste of like, it was within range and being that close to it is driving him. There's a lot of good stuff. I know it's an inconsequential show that many people do not believe exists, but there's a lot of good stuff buried in this hour of television. And there are people that are improving like Saxon yeah. Hus- Huxley. I he's used to bury. Get, no, but he's not bad. Now he is legitimately not bad. Now he no, is and a he's, watchable he's, entity. He started to fill out a little bit yep. on his frame, which I makes like him his style. It's it's very Bruiser Brody as uh, my derivative nickname for him will no longer be in play here, but at the same time, and he was trained by Lance Storm, so you know he has good fundamentals. But I liked him in this match. No, I, but I like all the little taglines too, like the "There goes Saxon Huxley, don't mess with him." Like I, I lo- like all that. That stuff's kind of clicking. It, it, it he's starting to get what this character is about yeah and he had I, the the mix-up of you know he was kind of doing like the book thing and he was the well-read savage and types of things like that but now he's kind of bought into this giant character and i'm digging it yeah i i, I there's a little like thus spoke zarathustra guy coming down from the hills who's like angry and grumpy and fuming um and i like to your point too about the giant thing though uh, I like that he bit off more than he could chew here because he thinks that he is just this world beater. Jack Stars got a win, and that's how you do a win for a guy like that. I this, I, this I love made it. Sense? No, it, like, and when you're talking about protected finishes, 
this is protected because I think what it got over for Saxon Huxley is that this is a guy who's got a huge chip on his shoulder and he thinks that he is he thinks that he is a world conqueror that whole there goes Saxon Huxley don't you mess with him he thinks that like at the end of his little run in wrestling here he's going to be that guy and and so he would it makes sense that he would because you see the guy that stars is tagging with and you go that guy would be a handful for Saxon Huxley I, I don't get why like it makes perfect sense though if you get where Saxon Huxley is coming from I hope this starts a slow ascent for Jack Stars. Yeah, he's I, been there for so long now, and it's it's like it's time. Let let's watch him. Let's watch him start to develop the skills to win. Not not the skills, but I mean on on screen. You know, he's putting it. Yeah. Up, starting to put it all together. No, the, the the win over Saxon Huxley would be good, especially coming. You start from the handicap match. He loses the first time, and then eventually he does beat Saxon Huxley. Uh, one on and, and one, that, yeah. That would mean something. Chris, it's that time. Must go into it. The great tragedy and travesty of NXT UK. It took five men to beat the hunt in a tag team match. It took all of Gallus. It took Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster to beat the greatness. Whoa, I think you're leaving out pretty deadly who are actually in cahoots here against the hunt. It uh, may, so. Oh, well, I, I mean, you think that the, the pretty deadly were maybe kind of running down there to mess around with Andrews and Morgan Webster. But what if I told you that they were trying to sabotage the hunt and keeping them from uh, becoming champions? They're My scared. God, my God, they've been the politics of the office. Seven men. It takes seven men to beat the primate and the wild boar. How seven men to defeat two animals two who animals, should be the champion right now, who should be your representatives of the United Kingdom, a tag team that when I think United Kingdom, I think of a primate and a wild boar. Cause that's what I think of the British people. <laughs> yeah, wild boar. Mike Hitchman Mike is what Hitchman I think of. And the primate. Jay Melrose. Jay, Jay, yeah, they've they've lost their names. They've become so beastly. Yeah, I, it, it, this is part of their ascent to the championship. Uh, dude, th- that being said, though, I think that it is good for the longevity of the Dennis and Hunt Act that they did not beat the Hunt clean. Uh, I, I think that that tells you that the door is still open for them. Maybe eventually winning the championships here. Uh, I am fine I, with I, the occasional babyface screw job too. I am too, and like I also am fine with the idea that like all these teams in the tag division really hate each other. The occasional babyface screw job, not necessarily the street profits screwing Rude and Ziggler by grabbing the tights. Although I get it that it was like revenge, but this is I that just... weird WWE logic where it's okay for the baby face to cheat. If they are mirroring a cheating move that a heel has just immediately done. It's like a one-time pass that you have only for the next move. But like, if you try to pin me by rolling up my tights and I'm the baby face, I'm allowed in WWE logic to roll you up using the tights. And then afterwards it is, uh, it's an obligation that I have to point to my head. And I have to like look at you and go, brain, brain. I used it. You you thought it, but I had brain. Yeah, it's the oh look the uh, 
the shades of gray baby face has outsmarted him. I I don't know if it's as prevalent as I think it is in African American baby faces, but I think it is. I don't know that for a fact. Someone can correct me on that if I'm wrong. That that was also part of it, I I think. Uh yeah, so I guess we have uh we have made our way to the main roster. God help us all. Chris, what is the sense if Ricochet has to beat every individual member of Retribution to get to Ali, and then each person beats Ricochet on the way there? Yeah, I'd like to see Ricochet try. He can't get past the man mountain that is Slapjack. What up, Jackalopes? (laughs) This week he lost to uh, Dio, right? He lost to Mace. Mace, who used to be known as Dio Man. And they actually introduced that as a concept in the kayfabe world, too, where, like, at one point, Ali gets asked about why Mace is doing what he's doing, and he's like, don't you know? You should know, Joe. You're sitting in his seat. So, like, that's now part yeah. of the character. I don't, I don't know if I like that. I, I, I like that at least see it's weird because I can I can go both ways. I can go both ways on this. I think I'm more pro it than I am against it, but I could see it because it doesn't in insult direction. the yeah, it doesn't insult the audience because everybody knows it's Dio Man. At the same time though, <laughs> there's certain commentary of I mean, I want that story of why he feels screwed after Brock Lesnar killed him. That's what I want. That's that's the uh that's the connector that I'm not getting. And and I need that. I need that for some depth in a story. I, I don't know why, but that's that's just me. Uh, any other slapjack news you want to put out there, Chris? Um, you know, really, the only thing to take away from the Ricochet thing here is Mace moved up the pecking order inside of Retribution, but he did not pass Slapjack. Now, really. how are these levels? Are are they like ranks? Are they like the army, where it's like one's a lieutenant and one's a major and one's a colonel or, or well, so presently there are, are they five. Like the, are they like the dark order where they're numbered? I uh, see. I think of in, in numerics, um, it, unlike dark, dark order doesn't really do rankings though. And, uh, I think with retribution, you get a clear sense of, uh, who's, who's where in the pecking order. Um, obviously, uh, what's her name, uh, is not doing very well. She might not have a name for much longer. Uh, reckoning. Is her name, uh, but but uh, she's uh, not doing well in the pecking order. Uh, then coming up in fourth place here is our boy T Ball. Um, he needs some work. I think that's T Bar, not T Ball. Oh well, T Ball is something children play through the YMCA. Well, he's gonna need to step it up to the major leagues here a little bit because he ain't been hitting home runs lately, Jeff. That's all right. Nailed him. Every he's dead now. Every child gets a hit. In T-ball. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. that's not the case for old T-ball in uh, Retribution. He, he has not been knocking him out of the park. T-ball. Oh, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. <laughs> and then... He just comes out with children and, like, b- puts balls on the stands. He's already wearing a catcher's <laughs> mask. He's halfway home. T-ball versus T-bar. He's T-Ball. What is a T-Bar? I don't know what a T-Bar is. Uh, He's Um, T-Ball. He's in fourth place. And then in third place now, solid third, though, is Mace with this uh, win over Ricochet. 
Uh, second place, not doing a lot of wrestling these days. Uh, he's a nominal leader. Uh, they, they, they call him the leader, Ali. Uh, and then, of course, the real leader, Jack Lopes. Know what's up? Um, it's our man, Slapjack. <laughs> You're turning him into a bootleg Shotzi Blackheart. He, he, Shotzi Blackheart is a bootleg Slapjack. Oh, wow. I'll get that message where do you think her. Where do you think she got the damn tank idea from? Slapjack? Slapjack. Oh, please, explain. He had it. She took it. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to no-sell my... <laughs> the old door for you. Uh, that story you had a, a beginning, bitch. a middle, and an end. That story, I mean, yes. He took... She, he had it. She took it at the end. That's... that's better storytelling than anything on the main roster this is just amazing uh it's called the hero's journey joseph campbell (laughs) i read books i've used the joseph campbell and the hero's journey on this show how dare you throw that in my face sir how dare you um the only other angle that won't tie into any of our tlc matches that i had a note on what what the hell are they doing to biggie is this cooling him down before he actually wins the rumble? Hopefully, or because this whole thing with God knows they love their stupid comedy. Yeah, I feel That's like not funny. now Zayn is getting out of this somehow. So this really is just kind of a smokescreen until we get to the Royal Rumble and he maybe gets heated up. I don't know. There. I don't know if they heat him up or they they just lost faith in him. That's what I can never tell because he's stuck in this. Look, and Sammy is. Nobody can take him seriously as Intercontinental Champion, which makes me sad because he's the type of guy that should have the Intercontinental Champion because he has he great matches. Perfect, you know, he is the perfect Intercontinental Champion type of guy. And Zayn, when he's getting a chance to wrestle, is wrestling the quintessential shit heel. You got to chase after him. He uses every rule in the book to hang on to that mid title. You have to title. beat the, you have to beat the champion to get the title. That's Yeah, yeah. he he's a he's a little worm you got to throw into the ring. Steve Regal, back back when he was Steve Regal in WCW was really good at this as the television champion. Not to hey. be confused with Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal. Not yes, not to be confused with Jimmy Mr. Garvin's old partner, but please continue. Yeah, like no, I, there are a number of good mid-card heel templates uh, for Zane to be kind of running off of. He knows all of them. There's nothing I can tell him. He knows all these things. They just need to book him like that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there will be some faith in him as that kind of worm intercontinental champion, and he'll get out of this uh, big E feud, and that'll kind of set him in motion through WrestleMania here. But yeah. Is- oh, I, I forgot one other addendum. Uh, Billy Kay is is fantastic. I don't care what anybody says. She's fantastic. Oh, I think God. she's really funny. Um, oh, she kills yeah, me. Yeah, no, she, she's very funny. Uh, uh, oh, oh, Randy Orton. No, no, no. We'll get to that. Okay. Well, it's I in the TLC talk, stuff. Well, I wanted to just real quickly talk about the, the kayfabe conceit of Bray, like Orton thinking that Bray Wyatt and the Fiend yes, are two we, different we, human we beings. Can, we can do that on uh, during the Firefly Inferno. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was the plan. Six matches, TLC. Our predictions are not to be used for gambling purposes, but if you do, I want 10%. <laughs> and we want you to use my bookie. Oh, yeah. Well, I, don't, I think they have odds up. They used to not. 
or I think they may have taken him down, but I'll I'll check Vamp for a second. Okay, well, so guys, I recently put new pickups into my Gibson SG here, so um, I've got a P90 in the neck position here. So that's something about wrestling. Okay. What? Oh, you want me to vamp about wrestling? <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. I, I've been work. I've been working since Eddie Van Halen passed here to like kind of get some of those licks down. So like, there's a lot of little like symmetrical licks. <laughs> Well, a lot of little chromatic runs like that, Jeff. They, these are important things. You got to keep the licks alive. Okay, I don't see. Yeah, they've taken WWE off the board at my bookie. Oh, but there right. are plenty of other places to do it. I think. Um, yeah, I can't. I or I can't find a link. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because I, I duffed it, but then I duffed the lick, so I like duffed it twice. Missed it again. Six matches so far announced. I assume there will be others that will be put in there, or at least one for a pre-show of some kind. Starting off with the tag team match for the WWE Tag Team Championship, the New Day, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, your champions, defending for what feels like the eight millionth time against the Hurt Business, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, with Montel Vontavious Porter, a.k.a. MVP. Chris, who you got? Angel Garza and Andrade Cien Almas. <laughs> <laughs> At least that feud's not happening anymore. That's true. Uh, yeah, that that was the other one that went on for the entirety of our lives through this year. Uh, I'm going to say that the New Day retain? I think they have to put the belts on the hurt business the because hurt business. because then you start to go into the story once they lose them that Cedric can then kick want set Shelton out of the out of the uh yeah yeah so Cedric no you're I got you so like Cedric here I'll go further then Cedric gets the pinfall here and thinks that he's the hot dog in the tag team and, and eventually they lose and Shelton takes the loss. And Sheldon is the guy who who Sheldon kind of keeps the belt on them for most of the run, though. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. take that too. But then yeah. he becomes Larry Zabisco at the end of War Games '92. He's the guy yeah. everybody blames for losing. He's the fall guy. Yeah, he's the fall guy, which is unfortunate because this stable has legs. I think. I think they have. I think they have legs as a horseman type stable. That's how I don't, good they are. I just don't think they've really done anything to earn the Cedric turning against the faction part of this story yeah yeah it's a little it's a little soon in my opinion and it was when they did it they started doing it what three four weeks ago and even then i thought no let's not do that now let's well, get they them didn't do like they just started having him like be a dick they didn't really explain why yeah that's true uh sasha banks smackdown women's championship uh Defending against Carmella, number one, Sasha Banks was fantastic in The Mandalorian this week. Uh, if she jumps for Hollywood, she she probably has a future, I think. I don't know about straight acting, but uh, she was quite entertaining here. Carmella, for me, her best look since coming back, personally. I, I think this is a more natural look for her than the other one. And also, just for me, I thought this was... Probably the best promo of Carmella's career. 
tonight. Yeah, no, she's been doing a number of very good promos. And yeah, I thought this was yet another good promo. Her delivery is good. She's carrying herself like a champion. I think that she's underappreciated as a talker. Yeah, I would agree. I think she has a little bit. Her and Sasha have very similar cadences in terms of, and how how will I put this? Uh, Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) That kind of vibe to them in terms of they're always on about the attitude as opposed to building up the attitude. And it's hampered, it's hampered this babyface run for Sasha because she's been a terrible babyface. I, I hate to say that because I love her to death. There's nothing to latch on to about this babyface character. The, she's only presented as she's the champion, she's the good guy. Yeah, she never changed after the Bailey split up because Bailey was exactly correct in all of Sasha's motives. And then she just continued to act. And I think the proper word here is petulant. She's always kind of been a little, she has that petulant streak in her where you just can't like her, even though, you know, even though you do like her as a performer, you don't like her as a character because she's so petulant all the time, as opposed to being grateful for it, you know? There's just been nothing endearing about this particular character right now in 2020. Uh, And... It is important when you're flipping from face to heel to face, and this is one of the reasons why it's good to not change from face to heel so much. It's important to reestablish why people like you. Um, It's fairly easy to establish why people hate you, and you can usually do it by discrete events. But establishing why people like you generally requires more than just discrete events. It, It involves characterization. I agree. I uh, Does Carmella beat Sasha Banks? I thought so before tonight, but now I don't think she does. I don't think there's any way in hell. <laughs> Unless they really want to shake things up and they really want to go into the Sasha has doubts and they're going to have it be Carmella that does it, or unless, like, unless Bailey screws Sasha in some way and then Carmella wins the title. Somehow, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I don't, honestly, I don't see any of the major singles championships changing, but we'll see as we go along. Up next, once again, in a, in a feat of absolutely worthless storytelling, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, will take on Asuka and to be determined because Lana the person we were building up and the person we gave the quote-unquote big Survivor Series moment to knocked out of the match on Raw, which was hilarious in its own right. After she gets the big pin, her great reward is, again, just being an afterthought, which ruins the entire investment anybody may have had in this two- to three-month storyline. I don't understand it. Chris, who is your TBD, and who is the tag team champions after this? I think Nia and Shayna have to retain now that it doesn't matter who Asuka's partner is. My TBD is either Mandy Rose or Dana Brooke, and I don't think that the hodgepodge team of Asuka and and whoever from those two are picked 
is the answer. I'm going to go the other way. I think there's going to be a title change here. And I think one of two things happens. I think it's either a swerve and Dana Brooke does end up being the partner and somehow gets the victory here. Or it's a major return slash debut. It's either Charlotte Flair or Rhea Ripley. I could see both. I could see that match on NXT being the write-off for Rhea Ripley. I have my doubts because of how commentary handled it. But I could see it being Charlotte Flair, and then they become the uneasy tag partners because Charlotte wants the Raw women's title. And I think that might happen. I don't know, but I just have a feeling that coming out of this, I, I don't see Nia and Shayna necessarily retain. But I like your way, too. I think it's a way to keep the belts on them. It's kind of an explainable story, and you can beat Mandy Rose or Dana Brooke here. So either way, I'm going to say new champs. You're going to say champs retain. The Fiend Bray Wyatt with Alexa Bliss takes on Randy Orton. Whoa, a- whoa, whoa, whoa. You said the Fiend Bray Wyatt, and I'm sorry, there is the Fiend. And then there is Bray Wyatt. So which one is it, pal? I think it's both at some no, point during the match. Wrong. No, <laughs> no. That you mean? Yeah, two of them, both two of them. But but. So let me get this straight. Randy Orton believes that these are two separate people. He's a moron. That that's part of the story. Here. What I, I I didn't watch this part of Raw necessarily. I think I was on in the background or something at the time. He said this? He said? Yes. He think- yes. He ex- he was doing a promo, and the promo only makes sense if Randy believes that The Fiend and Bray Wyatt are two different people. But then it also got said again at some other point during Raw, because the first time he did the promo, I was like, oh, no, they're not possibly going to insinuate that, like, br- it's not the nice guy Bray Wyatt uses the fiend as like an avatar for his actual evil impulses. Like it is, it is actually the case that the nice guy Bray Wyatt is being mildly terrorized by this creature known as the fiend and all of them in the fun house are like being it. it, Jeff, it's horrible. Okay. Back off for a second here. Cause I don't want to back off. I'm I'm upset. (laughs) Okay. Cause this goes into my ratings and storytelling things. It's not just, that you just want, quote-unquote, your guys. And that, and God help them, I, I think they're going to put McMahons back on Raw to buck the ratings. And you think that this new generation of wrestlers, that the reason that they're not stars is they just, they just don't want it enough. They don't want to grab the brass ring, pal, when you book them like geeks. But even the guys that are protected... Because God knows Randy Orton is protected on this roster. Because he's great and he's earned it. Don't get me wrong. But when you have him saying dumb crap like that, how am I supposed to get invested in any Randy Orton story where he thinks, where he's fooled by Clark Kent putting on the glasses and taking him off? That can't possibly be Superman. Of course they're the same person. What I and then later I, he gets blindsided by the fiend during one of those like stupid Bray Wyatt gets like buried in something and then the fiend comes from the other side and like to this point if 
The Fiend and Bray Wyatt are really two different people, as Randy Orton believes. He should have seen this coming. I I can't. I this I know, like this is it, it's not like the mask or even the squee noise that like accompanies the fiend. We Although, see him turn into the fiend on television. It, they it, watch monitors in the back. Are they not aware of this? It, it, it's that part. It, it, it's the actual look of the Joker, like twisted monster Pennywise look like that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that part of the character. It is all of the weird accompanying lore the lore that means nothing, the puppets that don't have any actual symbolic purpose at this point, and like whatever original latent meaning they had in the first few weeks of these vignettes has been stripped out of them to the point that like it doesn't matter who Rambling Rabbit is anymore. It doesn't matter who Mercy the Buzzard is, and that like it's a reference to Whalen Mercy, who's part of like who the original Bray Wyatt character was inspired by. Like like that's all been shucked away from this leaving now this dumb premise of the fiend and Bray Wyatt being two different entities. And like, why, why who gets set on fire? I think Bray Wyatt gets set on fire, prompting the fiend to arrive. And then the fiend defeats Randy. I like that. I wouldn't mind seeing Alexa bliss get set on fire. And then Nikki Cross tries to save her. <laughs> That's never going to happen because that'd be. <laughs> Boy, you, you want a backlash on media. You set Alexa Bliss on fire. That that would be something to snap her out of it. I'm thinking to snap her out of it. But it would be fun if Randy Orton brought Nikki Cross there as a way of like canceling out Alexa Bliss. I think that'd be great. That'd be at least in you know, it would make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right here. I think you're dead right here, as a matter of fact. I think, yes, he burns, quote-unquote, kills the Bray character, and now we're just left with the Fiend. How about that? That Man, that would clean up this Fiend crap in a substantial way. Like, if you actually burned down the funhouse and thus got rid of, like, all the puppets and stuff that no longer serve a narrative. Like, Huskis They did is, that once, though, Chris. They I get that. that. I get the Radio Orton burns down Bray Wyatt's house all the time. Like, but that's, no, no, that's Seth Rollins did it, too. Seth Rollins burned down the funhouse, remember? I, I Didn't Randy burn down the house? No, Randy burned down the house when he was Bray. Oh, yeah. When he was part right. of the Wyatt family and stuff like but, that. But, but, yeah. Seth, uh, Seth was... Seth, Seth or, smashed, yeah. He smashed the house. He didn't burn oh, that, it down. Okay. I th- okay. Yeah, that was just structural damage. Bray <laughs> brought in... He brought in he a wacky... He had insurance. Z- he had all Yeah, he had a wacky in, zany yeah. architect who came in and fixed that stuff. I'm talking about, like, a structural fire that burns this puppy to the ground. <laughs> oh, and what a wacky zany... Adam Pierce is going to be your wacky zany architect. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh. Well, Seth Rollins actually came in and did the contracting service on that. He is the architect. For the Universal Championship tables, ladders, and chairs match, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman against Kevin Owens. The go-home show tonight, I understand the cool hand Luke thing. Stay down. Keep getting back up. But there's that, and then there's not realizing that he has two guys and you have one and you don't have any friends and you keep coming up. There's a difference between Rudy trying out for the Notre Dame football team 
and Rudy then deciding he was so strong he could try and tackle a moving bus. Okay, well, that's... It, it, there's another problem I have with this, Jeff, um, which is that last week we introduced the beginning of a knee injury angle, and that was entirely dropped this week. It's as though they completely forgot about the fact that, like, they set up this whole Kevin Owens weakened up his knee part of the angle. And so what should have happened in this episode, yes, Jey Uso's been beaten up quite a lot, but Owens needs to take out Jey Uso. He absolutely 100% needs to eliminate Jey Uso from the equation going into Sunday. Or so he thinks, and then Uso resurfaces on Sunday and screws him over. But he needs to realize, to Jeff's point, that it's currently two-on-one. And that he's banged up, he's got a bad knee from last week, and the only chance he's going to have on Sunday is by pulling out every trick in the book up to and including being a little bit ruthless. And we need to see that like Owens is going to compensate for wear and tear on his body with a renewed sense of ruthlessness that will come up a little bit short, but give him a credible out. The typical WWE booking is that the guy who's on top at the end of the go home show is the person who loses on the pay-per-view. That's not going to happen here. It's going to be Roman Reigns is going to win, but we're going to continue this story of Kevin Owens valiantly fighting off Jay and then valiantly fighting off Heyman and valiantly fighting off Roman. And he's going to go to the top of the ladder and Jimmy Uso is going to push him off. Right? I mean, unless Jimmy saves him and I don't think that's going to happen. Jimmy hands him the title. Kevin Owens or Roman Reigns? <laughs> uh, that okay. You know what'd be awesome is if Jimmy just goes and gets the title for Roman. Um, like if you're gonna go all into this idea that Roman's pulling all the strings on his family, I think you do have to go all in. Um, Roman's just constantly raising stakes. I think it'd actually be fun if, if you could get Rock to come in and do a spot, have Rock run interference for Roman one more time. If Jimmy's ready to come back. I think, oh man, they are gonna try and pull a swerve here, aren't they? They're gonna, they're gonna say, oh, whose side is Jimmy on? When we all know he's gonna turn heel, right? <laughs> Jimmy versus Jay, the match you always wanted. And brother feuds never work. See nope. Jeff and Matt Hardy. No, yeah, it never works. Yeah, and Kane and the Undertaker. No, <laughs> <laughs> classic. Uh, and finally. For your WWE Championship, another tables, ladders, and chairs match. Drew McIntyre taking on AJ Styles with Omos. <laughs> you should call him Almost. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Uh, and, well, Miz is going to get involved in this crap somehow, and so I don't think it's really going to be like AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre. Yes, yeah, so let like, me call my shot that I yeah. called earlier this week. Miz and Morrison are going to be out there to help AJ Styles. And at some point, Miz is going to realize all I have to do is climb the ladder to get the suitcase. Brief, not briefcase, uh, the, the, uh, the title. Sorry. That, that's where we'll be hanging there, right? Cause that's It'd be funny this. if he gets the match, or the rules of the match confused. He goes up and tries to grab the briefcase. The yes, that, yeah, but yeah. that he already has. Yes, thank you, yeah. Chris. Uh, no, but he is going to cash in and it's going to become a three-way ladder match. And eventually, Drew McIntyre will overcome both guys, I think. I don't know, though, because in that in that rumor thing, WWE realizes they need to make changes. And I could see them 
making almost the world champion. <laughs> no, no, God, no. I could see them He's making ready. Miz Miz the champion because he can talk for a while, and then having somebody kill him. Now, I I tend to think that the WrestleMania match is going to be Drew and Sheamus, and that's why they're building up this weird childhood friends been around for a long time because eventually and Seamus is probably gonna get involved in this too isn't he yeah um so I think to your point Miz as champion is more realistic than I think some people are giving it credit for because of Miz and Mrs and wanting to maybe have Miz's champion as one of their little A or B plots in a season arc of Ms. and Mrs. here. Here's the other thing, and I will, I will put this out there. If you really wanted to reboot a guy, and you want to do it at a WrestleMania where there's a crowd, which they are still planning to have right now, you want the champion to be a guy like Miz, who Drew McIntyre could probably run through. Now, I'm not saying that would work necessarily. I'm not, I don't think... I, I don't think you can reboot Drew. I think you need to keep him strong, and I think you need to push him to the moon, and you just need to let him be a natural badass, to be honest with you, because I'm hating, hating these sketches with him and Seamus in it. I just don't buy their friendship um, on screen. I get that they're, they're actual off-screen <laughs> friends, but it's just like the way they are scripting these guys. They don't act like friends. I don't want to be friends with them. Yeah. It's like two guys who hate each other who are pretending to be friends, which I don't think they wanted to come off. I think they wanted to come off as genuine. And yeah, they like, want to come off as authentic right now. Like, I don't even think they necessarily want Seamus to come off as veiled. I think they actually want him to kind of scan as authentic. Yeah, and it's just not working. But no. uh, who do you have coming out as a champion at the end of this? I'm going to say... Man, calling Miz seems so long shotty because it, it, it predicates. We're not putting money on this. It doesn't matter. You can call whoever you want. You yeah, can call whatever. I'll call Miz. I'm feeling frisky. Okay. Uh, man, <laughs> again, there's no money on it. I just like being right. I am going to say, I, I think they've already taken off the title off of Drew at Hell in the Cell. And yeah, gave it back to it him. Again. They yeah. can't do it again. It has they to be can't. Drew. Yeah, has yeah, to be it, Drew. It has to. Um, so maybe we got there's gotta be a title change somewhere in the night here. Tag titles, women. Yeah, the tag maybe the women tag title, or maybe or the men's bi- tag or, title. Or they add or they add a Big E versus Sami Zayn match. And Big E takes it. Yeah, I could see that. And I could see Big E take it, but I could also see the New Day guys losing it. And that's kind of like a little Oh, we have that story. too, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. Mi- mini storyline coming out of this is like... Yeah, so we have, a, we have a title change on here. We both agreed yeah. that the Hurt Business were going to yeah. do that. Yeah, okay. So. Cool. So once again, you can watch me on Fightful or listen to me the next day by podcast on Fightful uh, after TLC. Hoping it'll be a very entertaining show. Uh, you can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow Chris at... Chris Novembrino, make sure to get also get in the superlatives that may be off the beaten path for our best of 2020 show, if there is such a thing as anything being the best of 2020. Uh, or you can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Forgot to add that tag in there. Uh, Chris, uh, plug your podcast. Yeah. 
Um, starting at the beginning of the year here at DWATG on Twitter is the only place to follow me. So go ahead and follow at DWATG if you still want to follow me on Twitter. Um, and don't worry about the government's the name of the show that I have over there. And don't worry.tv is where you can go and see episodes of it. Or if you want to see episodes, that's at patreon.com slash DWATG. Uh, but it's up on iTunes, it's on Stitcher. I'll have an episode out here soonish. I just—it's the end of the year. I don't really want to want to write. Yeah, these things happen. Also, Rob McCarron will be taking over the Chris Novembrino account. Yeah, he will be. I'm excited about that. Uh, I am. <laughs> All right. So, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, happy holidays. And happy holidays <laughs> to everyone else. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.